0: Welcome to Tea, Toast, and Trivia. Thank you for listening in. I am your host, Rebecca Budd, and I'm looking forward to sharing this moment with you. I am delighted to meet up with my friend and poet, Mary Jo Malo. We are bridging the distance of 3,420 kilometers between Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and Vancouver, British Columbia to discuss poetry and a poet's calling. Now, driving time between us is 31 hours and Zoom time, 31 seconds. Isn't that an amazing feat of technology? On March 21st, we will be marking World Poetry Day. It's a time to recognize the unique ability of poetry to capture the creative spirit of the human mind. So put the kettle on and celebrate poetry on tea, toast, and trivia with Mary Jo and me. Welcome Mary Jo, I have been looking forward to this conversation for a very long time.
1: So am Rebecca, so nice to speak with you again today.
0: You have really been an inspiration to me, Mary Jo. It has been wonderful to connect and be part of your thought process. You are a magician with words, and you put it in poetry that really speaks to the heart.
1: Oh, thank you.
0: (laughs) W. H. Auden describes in these words, a poet is, before anything else, a person who is passionately in love with language. I have found that some ideas can only be expressed within poetry. Is it the simplicity? the structure of words, the symbolism?
1: Well, without a doubt, poets love language, which is ironic because poets use an economy of words rather than an abundance of words. And yes, the sound of words is important, how they relate to one another sound-wise, meaning-wise. Language, according to some linguists, is symbolic in itself, its sign and its metaphor. I believe that poetry is the essential because it helps combine ideas and emotion, thoughts and feeling, which is how we learn language as a child. The meaning of certain words teaches us to stop using those words because of perhaps ridicule in that age of imagination where we transition into school and more adult world, we tend to figure out which words have more meaning than others. Another point is the inseparability of ideas and emotion. It's almost a spiritual experience. There are those intangibles and there's a sense of mystery, which is what I think you're alluding to. Poetry focuses on this connection between things, between people, between people and nature.
0: It's very contemplative. How did you come to poetry? Was it at a young age? I think like most people
1: our age and younger, I hope some people are still hearing nursery rhymes, songs, music, in school in our homes. And I think that's where we develop a love of rhythm and rhyme and, and language itself. But skipping forward into high school, I believe it was a junior English class. I bravely volunteered to do a bulletin board in our classroom. And I very courageously put up some of my own poetry, put them up on the bulletin board, the little artwork. And of course, some of my classmates were smirking. Then I mean, there were other ones who were a little bit in awe that I was brave enough to do that. And of course, my teacher encouraged me a lot. That's that age, I think, when feelings are so raw, Everything is so dramatic. We learn about love and death in a way that we never did before. The suffering of people around us in our lives if we've never had anything traumatic happen to us. In eighth grade, many of these same classmates lost a classmate to leukemia, and they decided to take our entire eighth grade class to her funeral, which was very traumatic. And I think this all happened you know, the memories of that and all these strong feelings all came to a head of that year for me. The one poem that had a tremendous influence on my thinking about poetry was Thanatopsis by William Cullen Bryant. I believe he was in the transcendentalist movement. If not him, there were many other transcendentalists that influenced my poetry to this day. Imagine that, early 19th century, had a lasting impression. That would be Thoreau, Whitman, Emerson, people like that.
0: You brought something to the foreground of how we experience life and how poetry can resolve some of those issues in our thought process and acceptance of how life turns out. It brings to mind Robert Frost when he said, a poem begins as a lump in the throat a sense of wrong, of homesickness, a love sickness. Does this mean that the words of poetry suddenly come to you in a flash or is it a more structured, deliberate action?
1: Really, I think it's a combination of the two. Sometimes it begins with an idea, but I think those are halves of the whole. One leads to the other for the writer as well as for the reader. It's where you begin. There are schools of poetry that believe that poetry is just utterance, express whatever you feel like expressing, and they let that stand on the page or the spoken word. Other people enjoy more cerebral, more intellectual poetry, where the ideas are important. I found that when I'm reading especially, that you feel and you think at the same time. You're not really separating those two things, and that's why poetry is, is really special. It's that blending of the two. You can read words about an idea, and suddenly it provokes you to feel a certain way, or you could feel a certain way, and suddenly you start to think about maybe why you feel that way. Do other people feel this way? And so on. I find it very difficult to split the two. There's a wholeness there for me.
0: Your recent collection of haiku on winter is brilliant. Your words sent me back to a time when I lived in northern Manitoba. How did you come to this subject matter? How do your poems develop? Please guide me through the stages of a poem. Well, first of
1: all, thank you. Going back to the Transcendentalists, what can nature, what does creation teach us? First, I start with an observation of nature, including people. What are the connections between that person that I'm observing? What is the connection between what I'm seeing and what I'm feeling? Does that physical thing symbolize something different, something eternal, something profound, something universal? I start jotting down all the random thoughts, specific words and phrases that come to me about that feeling and that subject. Then I move on to try and find the very best words to convey that feeling. Some words are more powerful than others. I consider myself an imagist. I like to create vivid images that create a feeling in the reader. And then after I find those best words, I continue to refine, refine, refine. And then when I get it to where I think it's done, I look for poetic elements that may not have come out naturally. They didn't flow. And then I would maybe introduce a little meter or rhythm, sometimes rhyme, alliteration, assonance. Those are all poetic elements. I try to be subtle with them. My favorite kind of poetry isn't sing-song, not heavy with rhyme and rhythm, because I think music sort of replaced that kind of ancient rhymester art form. As far as structure, Working with something to structure it, I think part of that is the way it looks on the page. Today we have the issue of the Internet being an obstacle or a help with how things appear on the page. We might have to adjust our style of writing to fit that. All sentences and line breaks, stanza breaks. they all help convey the meaning of the poetry, I believe.
0: March 21st, 2021 is UNESCO's Poetry day. Now, I read that poetry, according to their website, they believe that poetry is the mainstay of oral tradition and over centuries can communicate the innermost values of diverse cultures. World Poetry Day wants to encourage a return to oral tradition of poetry recitals. Do you think that reading poetry out loud is important?
1: I think it's important because listening helps us slow down It creates a pause and a busy day in our overactive minds. Talking about languages, extinct languages, I think it's really important for people who could be bilingual and let one language drop, languages that are just going extinct. I think it's really important for those cultures to revive their language. And that's one of the first ways that we learn a language is by hearing. I think even as adults, We tend to learn better visually. We want to talk about audible books and these kinds of things. I think we're learning to appreciate listening more, especially to reduce screen time and chattiness. (laughs) I think we all talk a lot. And I think that when we have to listen to somebody speak, there's just a a power in that. And there's a a calming and it, it teaches us to be more careful with our words part of the oral tradition of poetry is that everyone stops and listens to a history or a a rhyme that is just fun. There's nothing wrong with having fun with rhyme. We've moved so far from the centuries when poetry told stories, long stories, heroic stories. I like that. Some of the novels that we read were originally poetry. The Iliad, the Odyssey, the cycles, the chansons, and all those, I think that those were for a different time. But we can revive that maybe in a shorter form.
0: Your thought on listening so that we slow the words is a powerful statement. And I think that you've given me reason for why poetry is important in this world today. Have you gotten through
1: Evangeline yet?
0: Not yet, but it is there, waiting.
1: That's a great example of a poetic story. I I really loved it.
0: I've started it. He tells it very well and he brings you along.
1: This is the forest primeval. The murmuring pines and the hemlock. I think that's how it goes.
0: I think there's goosebumps now. I'm checking. Yes, there is.
1: (laughs) I've got a few on my neck.
0: (laughs) (laughs) How would you encourage aspiring poets to continue?
1: I would say to just love the process, enjoy the process. That's something which Elizabeth Gaffreau has been, been helping in our community, inspiring poetry and just writing in general. I really see the value in words and how they can inspire us. I think if you read a lot and you read about poets and styles in the schools, you'll eventually find what really resonates with you. You might change your style many times over the years,
0: Mary Jo, I'm going to ask a favor. Would you do me the honor of reciting one of your poems for us?
1: I would be delighted. The title of this poem is called Poesis, The Words. Always chasing them on and off the clock at work, notebook in my pocket on the park bench or in the kitchen waiting for water to boil stirring in the pasta. My daughter says, Mom, you're not listening. You have that faraway look. They collaborate behind my eyes. At night, whispered into my husband's ear, he says, I love their sound. Lull me to sleep. Keep talking. But they ambush me.
0: I'm wide awake. Thank you, Mary Jo. I have had those instances where words do ambush me, and they always come at night, unbidden, uncalled for, but there they are, and we have to embrace it, but they make us wide awake. Any last thoughts before we leave, Mary Jo?
1: Oh, dear Rebecca, thank you so much for including me in your series of writers. Your support, encouragement, and enthusiasm are contagious. You've helped to grow our creative community. In closing, I'd like to read one of Auden's stanzas from his tribute, or his memorial really, to William Butler Yeats. You could say it's my personal mandate as I write. Follow poet, follow right to the bottom of the night. With your unconstraining voice, still persuade us to rejoice
0: that is a wonderful place to end this conversation but you will come back there's more to be discussed and explored the opportunities are out there and i would love to have you come back to tea toast and trivia i would
1: be delighted to come back and do this again so many things to talk about
0: Thank you for joining Mary Jo and me on Tea, Toast, and Trivia. And a special thank you to you, Mary Jo, for sharing your insights on poetry and celebrating World Poetry Day. You inspire me with your words. Listeners, I invite you to meet up with Mary Jo on her blog, This Shining Wound, Original Poetry by Mary Jo Malo. It is a place where the music of words dwells. Until next time we meet, dear friends, keep safe and be well.